I'm glad to see uh, each of you here this morning. We know that there are some that are unable to be here because of health circumstances. We ask that you continue to be in prayer for them. I uh, trust that you would pray for this service today and that the Lord would bless us as we uh, again take a look at uh, uh, the book of Romans. We've been preaching through this uh, for several, several months now. Uh, and as we mentioned last week, we finally arrived at the uh, 16th chapter. Uh, the last chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, and we spent some time last Sunday addressing the first, really the first uh, first couple of verses of that uh, 16th chapter uh, and uh, just to kind of put our minds back in the right frame this morning, we'll, uh, we'll take just a brief look at those things, but not back into the depth we mentioned last time and then we'll begin to move uh, forward with the, really the next two, uh, two to three verses after that. Uh, and really focus our time this morning again uh, since, uh, as we mentioned last, last week, you know, the Apostle Paul in today's modern, modern world, you know, gets a bad rap, you know, to me. Uh, a lot of people say that the Apostle Paul is a woman hater, uh, you know, and that the, the things that he said in his word, uh, you know, put women down and so forth. But I, I, I would beg to differ with that uh, and, uh, you know, uh, as we looked at some of the roles that were mentioned last week uh, in God's Word for for the women, uh, and particularly we looked at uh, the phrase uh, that's mentioned over in the uh, book of Titus that the women were to be keepers at home and that uh, explored some of what that meant by looking at the virtuous woman over in Proverbs chapter 31. Uh, that, word, that phrase, keepers at home, does not mean stay at home. Uh, if it it means uh, that uh, she's to be a uh, guide of the home and the household, a guide of the family, a guide of the way things run. We went over to First uh, uh, Timothy chapter five, and where it mentions over there that the woman, uh, the apostle Paul mentioned, he says his desire was that the young women, young women marry, that they have children, guide the home. Uh, and so uh, what they are to do is to be guiders of the home. And we looked at the virtuous woman over in Proverbs 31 and looked at what all she did. I, I, I can smile even as I say that now. Uh, when you think of everything she did, how she cared for her children, how she cared for her husband, how she went out and bought a field, she planted a vineyard, uh, she went afar to get her goods, to get her food, and so forth. She was, you know, to, to use a modern day phrase, she is running the household. Okay, and that was what, and the, and the Bible calls her a virtuous woman. Why? She made her husband uh, a rich almost, and she uh, uh, she did him well. And the fact the Bible said the people spoke well of him because of her, and because of what she did. And I think you know what a great example. And and I see so many women today take on very similar roles where they're working outside the home, yet they still manage to run the house uh, and provide the meals and get everybody ready and do all the things they do. And I'll tell you, you know, they, they rate right up there, you know, with the, with, the, with the superwoman somewhere along the way, you know, that they just uh, uh, <clears throat> do, do all that they do. And so uh, the Bible speaks well of that. So when we see, and I bring that out to say, so when we see the phrase, uh, that the women were to be keepers at home. Uh, don't do do what I have probably done in years past, and what many people do today, and take the, take the line that that means. Well, all they're supposed to do is stay at home. Well, if it means that, uh, that that you go over into the second chapter of the book of Haggai, uh, Habakkuk, uh, 
uh, over in the Old Testament, uh, second chapter, verse 5 of the book of Habakkuk, and you'll find over there, uh, the man was being told uh, that he was getting drinking too much wine and needed to be a keeper at home. <laughs> uh, what does that mean? That simply means he should have been guiding his household more than he was out getting and doing the things that he was doing. And so uh, put the phrase in the right context. Is the is the point of all this, and so in uh, in Romans chapter sixteen, the apostle Paul starts out this guy who supposedly by many modern people uh, uh, was so uh, uh, hateful of women starts out this sixteenth chapter of the book of Romans saying, "I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centuria, that ye receive her in the Lord as become a saints." and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a sucker of many and of myself also. We uh, mentioned last week, we don't know what business Phoebe had uh, uh, in Rome, but Paul was commending her to the church. He was giving her his utmost stamp of recommendation, if you will, and saying, whatsoever business she has, you help her. Uh, why? Because she's been a servant. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be nice to be said of any and all of us? I want you to help this person. Why? Because she's been a servant of the church. <laughs> uh, she's a she's been a sucker of the. She's been a helper, a, an assistant, if you will, to the to the local pastor, to the local preacher, and a servant of the church in general. And because of that, I commend her to you and tell you. Help her with whatever business she has. Uh, so uh, the, the Apostle Paul starts out this letter this way. Uh, and as he goes on into the next portion of this, uh, he, says, he says this, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ, who, for my, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Here we have a married couple uh, that, are, that are mentioned together, and I'm going to go back over to the uh, 18th chapter of the book of Acts today and take a look at this couple and some of the things they did. I will not read the entire 18th chapter, uh, but as we look at this, what I want us to think about today is the roles of husbands and wives and how they uh, partnered together to be teachers uh, in, in the... Uh, uh, in the, I won't say in the church, but as representatives of the church, uh, teaching others uh, and uh, and how that worked out. Uh, law, we'll also, in doing that, we'll have to go over and define what's the role of the woman in teaching uh, and what is not the role of the woman in teaching around the church. Uh, uh, but in doing that, we'll also have to look at uh, the role of husbands and wives <clears throat> Both of them have a very important role. Uh, God defines that for us, and we'll look at that. Let's first go over to the 18th chapter of the book of Acts this morning. And it says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, uh, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius, talking about Claudius Caesar, uh, had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with it with and wrought, uh, wrought for by their occupation 
They were tent makers. So Paul has traveled from Athens to Corinth. Uh, and as he's traveled there, he meets a couple uh, by the name of Priscilla and uh, Aquila and Priscilla, his wife. Uh, and as he meets them there, he begins to labor and to work with them because they had recently come from Rome uh, and been kicked out of the ta- out of town by Caesar at the time, who was persecuting the Jews, uh, most likely because of their religion and because of their non-devotion to him. Uh, And under uh, Roman culture, the Caesar was considered to be God uh, and was to be worshipped by the people as God's representative of Zeus's representative, if you will, here on earth. And so... uh, <clears throat> and so uh, uh, as, uh, as they would not do that, many of the, the Jews were kicked out of town, if you will. And because these were Christian-believing Jews, they ended up in Corinth and Paul found them at the, probably at the church associated with things there. Corinth uh, and began to, he found a particular connection with them uh, because they were tent makers and he was a tent maker. So they began to work together. If we go on a little bit further, and I'm just going to skip across a a few verses now. It says, (coughs) uh, in verse 18, it says, And Paul after this tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence to Syria. And with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centuria, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So Priscilla and Aquila, when the time came for Paul to travel, they went with him. They were his companions in the journey. And it says, And they desired him to tarry longer time with them, and he consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, and I will return again unto you, if God will, and he sailed from Ephesus. So Paul left Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus, and you think about the time they spent. And you know, and I can't imagine. Uh, I remember uh, uh, Loretta's dad. You know, when uh, uh, when he was alive and well and working in his day, and by his trade, he was a well driller. Uh, well, if you ever went around him, whether he was drilling wells or working the cows or whatever, somewhere along the way, he was going to be talking about Scripture, um, and he was going to be talking about God's Word. Uh, I just have the feeling uh, the Apostle Paul was a man uh, that while he was working on his tent-making craft, uh, he and Priscilla and Aquila spent a lot of time talking about Jesus Christ and, and talking about what God had done and what Christ had accomplished on the cross, and maybe even about Paul's experience on the Damascus Road, about his journeys and travels and preaching to the churches. He had he had no doubt spent a lot of time talking with them about what God's Word taught. Uh, and so they traveled with him. When he went to, uh, to Ephesus on his journey of going toward Jerusalem, they went lit with him, but he left them at Ephesus uh, uh, while he was there. And I give you this background uh, because it says in verse 24, uh, it says, and a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, that would be in Egypt, uh, uh, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Well, who was at Ephesus? Uh, Priscilla and Aquila were at Ephesus. Uh, and it says, this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So here's a man uh, that was, he didn't, you know, he didn't know 
you know, I won't say a lot because maybe he knew a lot, but he didn't know everything, okay? He didn't have a full background and basis of, of teaching of God's Word, uh, yet his zeal and his abilities, uh, uh, he was speaking with what ability he had, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and uh, you know, I think that's to be commended uh, that this man was going about speaking and doing uh, based on the knowledge he had. He was doing all he could with what he had, okay? And I wish all of God's children would do that, <laughs> uh, to do the best they could with what they got. And so uh, uh, he was doing that, and it says, uh, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took, uh, took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So this husband and wife duo that had spent time with Paul uh, and during his travels and in his teachings at Corinth uh, and his time at Ephesus before going on to Jerusalem in their time of tent making, this husband and wife duo pulled uh, Apollos aside. You know, that one of the things that you don't find here, uh, they didn't get up and lecture him in public. Uh, uh, we could all learn some good lessons from that uh, about how we uh, uh, maybe approach somebody sometimes. Uh, instead of putting him on the spot uh, in the synagogue and standing up and saying, that's not true, or he doesn't tell everything that uh, needs to be told. They pulled him aside very discreetly, I'm going to say. Uh, they pulled him aside discreetly, and they taught him the way of God more perfectly. Husband and wife working together. Boy, I'll tell you what, uh, isn't it nice to see husbands and wives uh, who are in harmony uh, working together? <laughs> uh, uh, that doesn't mean that, uh, it, it, in fact, it never says anywhere that Aquila was a, pe a preacher of any kind. doesn't say he was called a pastor anywhere. Uh, he had just been sitting at the feet of Paul, learning the things of God, and when this man, Apollos, came along, who had a great speaking gift, uh, was a great orator, had ability to get up and teach the Word of God, uh, but because he had not been taught by Paul and only knew John's baptism, they pulled him aside and they explained to him, no doubt, many of the things that Paul had taught to them. And I'll tell you what, we read later of Apollos, uh, went on to be one of the great uh, early church preachers of the day, uh, and no doubt uh, uh, greatly assisted by this young couple. Uh, so uh, let's, uh, speaking of young couples, uh, and speaking of married husbands and wives and so forth, and the roles that they have together, uh, uh, let's think about this for just a moment uh, and turn over to a place in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 5, uh, uh, because all of this will kind of come around <laughs> if we think about it but Priscilla and uh, uh, Priscilla who was the wife of Aquila she assisted him in helping this uh, this young this young man who needed some further teaching uh, uh, but she didn't get up and preach in church uh, and she didn't get up uh, and they didn't get up and reprimand him in public they did it very discreetly uh, and so uh, uh, there's teaching roles that uh, that women have and they can use the gifts that God has given them but it doesn't mean that they're called to be pastors and teachers. And so let's look at some of this together. First, looking at husbands and wives and things that are mentioned in Ephesians chapter 5. Some of this will tie together, I think, uh, with some things. Brother Derek's been uh, diligently going through the book of Philippians. I think some of that will tie together with this uh, because there's an attitude here uh, that's reflected for husbands and wives and for church members 
that is laid out here in Ephesians chapter 5. Brother Derek mentioned this morning uh, that uh, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are very uh, uh, salvation-oriented, if you want to call it that, and the fact that they're teaching what Christ has done uh, and uh, what He's done for you and me. Then the chapters 4, 5, and 6 teach uh, about what we ought to be doing in response to what He's done for us. And so uh, as, he, uh, as he goes into Ephesians chapter 5, uh, let's take a take a look at a few things here this morning. It says, uh, <clears throat> and I'm going to just dive dive in a little bit to this. But let's grab some several things here that we could think about. Uh, <clears throat> verse 15 of Ephesians chapter five: See then that ye walk circumspectly and not as fools, but as wise. Boy, that's good advice for everybody. Uh, well, walk wisely. Don't walk like a fool out here in the world uh, uh, and acting like the world. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of foolish things going on in our world today around us. People acting unwise uh, and not... Uh, and I'll say this, uh, they're not following after the roles that God has given them. Uh, you know, we think about this, uh, uh, and, uh, and I don't I want to dive off down that trail this morning, but just to think about uh, if, if all of us could learn to be the man that God called us to be, uh, if all of us could learn to be the women that God called us to be. Uh, uh, in the beginning, God created them. Male and female created him, he, them. Uh, and that's all he created. <laughs> okay, and that's all there still is today. But he says, uh, wherefore, uh, uh, he says, see that you walk circumspectly and not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Uh, well, that could be a, that could have been written this morning, right? Uh, that we ought to uh, make wise use of the time that God has given us because we're living in evil days and they were living in evil days. And he says, Wherefore, be, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, I'm telling you, uh, again, just hammer home, if you will, and say, we ought to understand what God's will is for our life. <laughs> uh, how are you going to do that? You've got to read God's Word. You've got to listen to the man of God preaching God's Word uh, and learn from it. Uh, take it home with you. Uh, put it on display at work, uh, in the home, and other places, uh, and use it. <laughs> uh, I, you know, uh, I know you know this. and I, Maybe those out there listening uh, uh, might, might know this uh i pr i preach god's word because god called me to that place okay uh i study god's word one because i want to know myself i want to understand it more and i study to rightly divide the word of truth so that i can better explain it to you okay i'm not up here explain it to you so that you can say Boy, he sure did a good job of that this morning. Uh, boy, and, and, and next week, uh, you say, you know what? I was at church, Sonny. Well, that preacher, uh, uh, you know, he did a good job of explaining that. <laughs> well, what did you learn? Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, uh, no, I mean, kind of like the school teacher. The school teacher has the expectation. Uh, at least they have had. <laughs> I don't even want to get, get the, you know, you know if, we're, if we're teaching math, we kind of expect the answers to be there, right? And expect that uh, math is very logical and it comes out. And we expect people to learn it 
right? So that they can actually function in society and live and work. Know whether or not they're getting paid correctly. Know whether or not when they get billed down here at the local Home Depot or somewhere, they can look at the bill and say, oh, is that right or not right? You have to know a little bit of math to figure some of this stuff out, okay? But the expectation is of the teacher, you're sitting in there and you learn it, right? <clears throat> no different here. <laughs> I would expect, you know, as kindly as I know how, I expect God's people to come in here hungry uh, because you know what? You get this one day a week. 50, uh, you know, most working people that work 40 hours a week. Uh, in, in, uh, in church, you get about 52 hours of preaching a year. You get just a little bit more hours of preaching in a year as you actually put into labor on the job in a week. Not very much time, really. So you ought to be hungering and thirsting for God's Word so that you can make better use of it. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll move away from that because i got to get back to this. But he says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Uh, he did not say, don't take a drink of wine. Uh, he says, don't be drunk on wine. <laughs> uh, where, how, how you get drunk on wine? By going excessively into it. Uh, uh, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Be, but be ye filled with the Spirit. You want to get excited. You want to get the feeling in a way uh, that's beyond this present physical life. Get fired up on the Spirit of God. Don't go, don't go out for the uh, for the alcohol spirits. Uh, go for the Spirit of God, which will excite you and put you on fire for the Lord. Uh, speak to yourselves and how. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. <clears throat> you know that Paul is writing to the entire church at Ephesus. Men and women. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another. We are to be submissive. We are to be humble. We are to submit ourselves to each other. Men and women in the church submitting ourselves one to another in the Lord. Uh, following after what God would call us to do, but at the same time, you know, uh, maybe me esteeming you more highly than I esteem me. Uh, submitting I, myself to your thoughts and to your thinking. Maybe your thinking is more godly on a certain area and a certain subject than mine. What should I do in that case? Submit myself to you and to the way you're seeing it rather than the way not wanting my way but wanting God's way, uh, wanting it done God's way. And, it, you know, if we, could, if we could get that mind of thinking through the church, that it's not about me. <laughs> it's about what God would want. It's, it, that's, that's true in my day-to-day -day living. It's not all about me. It's about what God would have me to do in serving uh, the community, serving the church, uh, serving each other, serving my wife, serving uh, uh, my children and, and so forth. So he says that we ought to sum be submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves unto your 
own husbands. I, th- I don't think that word O-W-N is in there for uh, just as a, uh, Paul just threw it in there like throwing a Frisbee, you know, out across the yard or something. I, I believe that word own is there on purpose. Uh, who, are, who is she to submit herself to? Not every man. She's to be submissive to one man. <laughs> Her own husband. Uh, Submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, that that is a big phrase. Submitting yourselves unto your own husbands as unto... How do... It gets into this over here in a minute about the church being uh, being submissive to God. Uh, We'll get to that. But how how do we submit ourselves as unto the Lord? Is it a struggle? Is it a struggle for you to submit yourselves to the Lord? Uh, to the Lord here on I'm talking about all of us. Is it a struggle for us to submit ourselves to God? It, it shouldn't it be a joy being thankful for what He's done for us and knowing what He's done for us and how He's given Himself for us. Shouldn't submitting ourselves to the Lord be a joyful, happy, gracious experience? And I'm gonna say yeah. If you don't, if you don't answer, I will and say yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he says, wives, submit yourselves into your own husbands as unto the Lord. It shouldn't be a struggle. At the same time, husbands have some responsibilities that should make it not a struggle, okay? And so it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even even in like manner, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body." He is responsible. Christ saved the church and saved the bride of Christ, if you will, and died for her on the cross. How many of you husbands have been willing to die for your bride lately? Including me. Okay? Let's just lump me in there too. How many of us are willing to die and give ourselves for our bride? And I'm talking, yes, both physically, but I'm talking about in a lot of other ways. Where you're not just uh, laying, uh, you know, laying down your life doesn't always mean dying on the cross. Uh, laying down your wants, your desires, your selfish, <laughs> we're talking about pride this morning, our own prideful needs and wants in order to do what the, the wife needs done, my bride, the one I love, the one I care about. Christ laid aside glory, you hear me? He laid aside being at the Father's right hand. He laid aside the angels praising Him and singing uh, to, uh, for Him and for the Father day and night. Why? For me and you. That's what He gave up for us. You know, for us. So husbands, <laughs> where he said, yes, you're the head of the wife, like Christ is head of the church. Uh, and you know what? He's not being domineering and uh, overbearing and... and all, whatever other words you want. Christ is not domineering, overbearing. He sacrificially loved us. And because of that, the church then ought to, ought to be thankful to be here to be able to serve Him and to want to serve Him with our lives daily and in all these different ways. Do you, get, do you see that? That's, that's the example. Submitting yourselves one to another. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as unto the Lord, joyfully, happily, because he's the head of the wife, but he's the head of the wife even as or like in like manner as Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. His, his thought was not about him. It was about us. 
and the, and the husband will be better off if his if his thoughts are not so much about me as it is about the body and as it is about the bride as it is about the wife. I'm going to pause there just for a minute because I'm going to turn now over to the second chapter of the book of Philippians where Brother Derek has been uh, uh, teaching us and talking to us and let's see what it means to be like Christ. Okay, he says over here, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Now, boy, I'll tell you what, that'll work in a marriage. Uh being of one accord, and it'll work at a church too, by the way. Being of one accord and one mind. Being like-minded. You know how we get like-minded? We quit thinking like I think and like you think, and we begin to think like Christ thinks. That's how we become like-minded. Uh, <clears throat> in our marriages, in our, in our churches, in our daily living. Okay, so he says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but... In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Well, uh, that, again, that's in the church, that's in the marriage. Uh, he says, uh, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know, uh, it, I, I, I used to struggle with this. I laugh, I laugh at myself, you know, and think about it. You know, the, the, when you read Scripture, sometimes you're trying to get the concept and the thought, you know, and, and, uh, and you're saying... I'm not to look on my own things. I'm supposed to look at your things. Well, you can take that a lot of different ways, you know. But if you're not being uh, envious and you're not being uh, desirous of other people's, you're not supposed to be looking on other people's things uh, in a bad way, but in a way of compassion and care and charity, right? So, so I had to kind of, took me a little bit, you know, slow, slow learner. Uh, took me a little bit to kind of grasp that and look at that. But he says, uh, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was God. It wasn't robbery for him to go around and say, uh, I am that I am. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's no, it wasn't robbery for him to use that I am phrase, okay? Because he was uh, the Son of God. He was God in the flesh. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. He humbled himself down. Uh, and he says, And being found in fashion of a man, he humbled himself, made himself obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth, all kinds of hosts out there uh, that, uh, that are uh, uh, the heavenly hosts uh, are all going to bow to Jesus, my friends. Uh, they, might be, they might be power. They might be around the throne of God right now. But you know what? They're going to bow to Jesus uh, and every tongue, that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Okay, so I read all of that 
about how he humbled himself, he submitted himself, became a servant, he died uh, uh, so that we might go back over here to the Ephesians chapter 5 and say, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands, there's that word O-W-N again, to their own husbands in everything. Uh, you know, but that you know, you know what what the problem is. So many times, husbands, you know, oh, I'm telling you, they they just like to pull the stick out. You know, well, she's supposed to be subject to me and everything. Well, yeah, but you're also supposed to be like Christ and dying for her daily and giving your life for her. And if you're doing that, you you won't have any trouble with her being willing to be subject to your authority because you're so caring, kind, loving, sacrificial for her. <laughs> All right. So, you know, so you know, when we say what's the woman's role? Okay? Well, the woman's got a role. Uh, she's to be submissive to her own husband. <laughs> not to every husband, not to every man, but to her own husband. Now, you know, anyway, that would work a lot of things, but y'all y'all think of it. Husbands, love your wives even as, that, that phrase, even as, in like manner. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and but that it should be, but that it should be holy. It being the church should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. I've said this. Uh, I'll repeat this because I don't ever remember who all might have heard when I've said things over the last thirty years. Uh, but I'll and and I'll say this. Probably this this vision of some things didn't come to me 30 years ago, but over time I began to see. If you go back to Adam and Eve, the first husband and wife, you know what? She was his own body. He took from her, God took from her, made her from the body of the man. And Paul is telling us here, men, you ought to look at that woman that you're married to as being a part of your own body. That's what he's saying. And he says, no man ever hated his own body. Uh, and he says, if you will look at her like she's a part of you, that she's an extension of you, he says, you will, you will not hate her. You will love her. You will cherish her. Uh, you know. And I love to think about the fact that the Bible tells us, in this same Ephesian letter, by the way, that you, talking about us, that ye were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Where were we before the foundation of the world? We were in Him. <laughs> One of these days, that bride's going to be brought forth to be right there with Him because we were in Him just like Eve was in Adam. And He's giving us a, a great teaching point here of saying, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. He loved his own body. And so he says, For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his own, of his flesh, and of his bones. So, uh, that, 
roles, husbands and wives. Yes, the wife is to be submissive to the husband, but the husband's supposed to be loving the bride like Christ loved the church, sacrificially loving her, giving himself for her. And boy, I tell you, anyway, when it works together like that, beautiful thing. You know, I got a feeling Priscilla and Aquila must have had some of that. Uh, along the way, uh, and uh, and and she, the together uh, they work to, they work together. You know, uh, a lot of times husbands and wives work together. Uh, uh, sometimes it works out well. Sometimes it doesn't work out well for husbands and wives to work together. And talk about it in their occupational jobs, uh, sometimes it causes problems and so forth. Uh, uh, but here they were. They worked together as tent makers, and not only when they weren't doing tent making, they worked together in helping teach uh, other people what Paul had taught them. Uh, but again, we'll say uh, it wasn't a formal teaching role like a pastor-teacher role. Why not? All right, because That's fair. In today's world that we're living in, uh, in, the, uh, in the movements that have been taking place since back in the 60s and so forth, uh, you know, saying the women ought to take greater roles in this, take greater roles in, you know, and I think, people will say, I think that the woman ought to be able to do this and to be able to do that. Well, great. I'm glad you think that. But you know what? When it comes to the roles of a husband and a wife, and when it comes to the roles of, of uh, that phrase, keeper at home, uh, when it comes to uh, how uh, our roles in the churches, you know what really matters? It doesn't matter what you think. Uh, it doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what God's Word says. That's the only thing that really matters in, in all of this. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, so when I get through with this and you say, well, Brother Charles, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. Well, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you and try to rightly divide God's Word spoken to us by Paul, okay? And so if you don't like it, I'll let you go talk to Paul about it when you get there one of these days and see if he can help set you straight to, uh, on what it teaches and what it means. In the meantime, I'm just going to try to preach and teach God's Word. Uh, and and I trust and I pray. I, I do, you know, I don't want it to be what I think. I want it to be what he thinks. I want it to be what God's Word teaches about these things. Okay, so we've got a husband and wife duo. They're working together. They're helping teach other people. Uh, uh, but you know what? They're not taking on a pastor-teacher role as a joint couple and working together to be the local pastor-teacher. Uh, why not? Okay, let's turn over, if we can, first to First um, Timothy chapter 5. And let's read there. And uh, probably there's a lot more that I could could read uh, but we'll we'll at least start with this. Uh, start with this one. Ah, first, first Timothy chapter two. I, I said five. I got five. I've got five on my mind because of some things we talked about last week. First Timothy chapter two, and let's start with uh, the first verse of this second chapter. I want to get down there. I want to skip across a little bit of this fairly quick to get down to some other things. But Paul here is telling the young preacher Timothy, I exhort you. I, I implore you. I beg you, uh, I want you to be praying with all prayers and supplications for the kings, for those in authority. That's good, that's good admonition for us today. I've been trying very hard to pray for our leaders. 
Uh, Sister Loretta was talking about earlier about uh, uh, someone that she was having a little, you know, difficulty with. And you know what she said? She said, I began to, to, to say, Lord, help me to love this person like I should. And care. you know what I say uh, when it comes to our presidents, whoever they may be, uh, whatever time it may be, you know what God's Word calls on us to do, whoever they are? Pray for them. Pray, give, go to them. Sub, uh, give supplication for them. Why? What are we to pray for? We're to pray for these folks that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You know what we're to be praying? The government will leave us alone. <laughs> leave us alone. Let us worship our God. Don't be cancel council. Uh, cancel culturing us <laughs> don't be canceling us out because i just preach what god's word says you don't like it you think it's hate speech gee i'm sorry uh you know i just want to preach what and i want to be left alone live a, a quiet and peaceable life before the lord so he says for this is good uh the like quiet and peaceable life of in all godliness and honesty honesty boy yeah, uh, in all godliness and honesty. You know, some people don't like too much honesty, but anyway, we'll move on from that. And he says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto a knowledge of the truth. Uh, I could take the time to explain this all men phrase here, uh, but we'll move on. That's another time, another day. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. And he says, who gave himself a ransom for all and to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher, an apostle, and I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in verity. Not only am I teaching them in faithfully, but I'm te teaching them verily the, the, the truth of the things that they need to be doing. So he says, I will therefore that men... Pray everywhere. <clears throat> Doesn't mean you just have to pray in church. Doesn't mean you just have to pray at mealtime. Uh, you can pray everywhere. Men, I want, you, I want to tell you, the Bible says, pray everywhere. <laughs> when you're on the road, when you're, when you're worried, when you're concerned, when you're troubled, uh, at home, at work, whatever it might be, in your marriage, Pray, men. He says, I, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Don't, we can go over to James where it says to ask without doubting, okay? Uh, we ought to be trusting the one we're asking is able uh, to do. And he says, without wrath and without doubting, in like manner also women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broadered hair, gold. I'm going to read this whole thing, then I'm going to go back. <laughs> so he says, in like manner also women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness, sobriety, not with broadered hair, gold, or pearls, or costly ray, but parentheses, which becometh women professing godliness with good works, okay? So what are women really to, you know, I don't think, and, and you got to go back, I think part of this you've got to put in a, a little bit of a setting of the times and the ages. I'm sure the things the Apostle Paul mentions here are things that uh, were not uh, done by respectable women of the day. 
Is that a nice way to say amen? Uh, they, they, they adorn themselves in a certain way, and he says, you know what, women? You're to be adorning yourselves in a way that becometh godliness. And, and, good, and, and the other thing you're supposed to adorn yourself with is good works. Be about good works. So why do, why do I say that? You know, some people have taken this so strictly, and y'all know I'm what I'm talking about. Some people have taken this so strictly. Well, you can't wear lipstick, and you can't wear makeup, and you got to wear your hair a certain way, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, blah, 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 on and on and on. You know what Paul's really trying to say? He's really saying, adorn yourself with good works and don't adorn yourselves in ways that represent other things and other lifestyles. And that has changed some over the last 2,000 years, okay? Uh, but uh, uh, during this time, we're to adorn ourselves in ways that are, that are reflective of good godly women and how, the, and how they should be. And he says, then he goes on and says, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. We said this before, um, uh, but uh, and we'll we'll kind of go over to the First Corinthians fourteen to give you another kind of uh, hint on that. Uh, but it's it's par partially what it's meaning is listen, just listen. Part of what the women can do to do, do good works and to know what to do is the same thing every, men and women can do. Sit here and listen to what's being taught. <laughs> listen and put it into practice in your life. And he says, then he says this, and this this is. Again, this is Paul, this is not Charles. He says, I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. He's All he's saying is, he's not saying sit there and don't say anything. We've already told you over in Ephesians, he says, what are we to do? Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He doesn't mean that the woman can't call out a song, a song request, give a prayer request. He's not saying that the women, when we have our business meetings and so forth, can't give their input as good, wise women of the household and of the body to let us know what they're thinking and what's on their mind. What he's trying to say is the woman is not supposed to be in the pastor-teacher role and take on that role, and in that sense, She's to be in silence. Why? Why would Paul tell Timothy this? Uh, well, it's very likely, and we could go on. I'll probably read uh, just a little bit more of this here, read down to the end of the second chapter. But it's very likely has some things to do with some, some things that are written over in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. But he says, uh, uh, but I suffer not a woman. In other words, Paul says, I will allow it. I'll not suffer it to happen. I'll not suffer a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man. Uh, that is a same phrase. He, the usurping of authority would be her doing the teaching instead of the, instead of the God-called man doing the teaching. And so he says, I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. God made the man first. Then he took of the man and made the woman. But Adam was not deceived. Uh, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived in the transgression. The woman was the one, whether it was the man's fault, and I think going back and reading Genesis, I think the man was standing there and let it happen, uh, if you will, and he should have been protecting that woman as the husband should have been. He was also the one God gave the commandment to, not the woman, what the woman knew she had learned for the man, okay? 
So no, no doubt there's, that's the reason that Satan challenged her. Hath God said? Why, she, she might not have known exactly. She was taking the man's word for what had been said, okay? Uh, anyway, so she was the one that got deceived. And uh, it says, but Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and, and was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness. You know what the woman's, uh, this is not eternal salvation, by the way. You know what You know what, the, what a deliverance for the woman is? Uh, yes, she was the one that was deceived, but you know what? She's also the one that carries on the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. Childbearing, that doesn't mean having children. That's talking about training, rearing, raising up. Childbearing is raising up the family and the children. So she's notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. How? By if, she, if they continue, if they are learning what she's teaching, and we're going to get over to that teaching in a minute in, in Titus. So, uh, but if they're learning what they're teaching, the salvation of the woman is the family and how they're trained up and what they're taught. All right, so why did, why did Paul say learn in silence? Well, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And it doesn't say this explicitly, I don't guess, but I think the implication is well there. Uh, first of all, Paul is, uh, Paul is lecturing the church here at Corinth and in 1 Corinthians 14 about people speaking in other tongues, people getting up and speaking without having an interpreter uh, to speak those things and how that if... Oh, first, you know what he says about to the men? He says, if you're speaking in other tongues and you don't have an interpreter, you know what you're supposed to do in the church? Keep silent. So, you know, people say, well, the woman's supposed to be silent. Well, you know what? If you're trying to get up and speak about things you don't know, you don't have the right tongue and so forth to speak to people, you know what you're supposed to do? Keep silent, men. Uh, so he says, uh, uh, let, the, let them do that. And also he says, prophecy, the, let, let, uh, for ye may, verse 31, 1 Corinthians 14, for ye may all prophesy one by another that all may learn and all may be comforted and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. <laughs> uh, in other words, uh, the prophet can't get up there and say, well, I didn't know what I was doing. No, that's not true. Uh, you've got control of yourself uh, in your, as you're doing that. For he says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it's not permitted for them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as saith the law. The implication here is that uh, as they were having all this stuff, speaking in tongues and people prophesying, the women were speaking out and calling out, maybe during the middle of the preaching service and asking questions and things. And they said, Paul said, there was so much confusion going on at Corinth. There's so many things that were doing. They were they were having things of uh, drinking and carrying on when they were supposed to be having communion. They were getting carried away with tongues and they were speaking all in different languages at the same time. Paul says, calm down. <laughs> Wait a minute. You can't learn anything when you got one person over here and another person over here and they're all singing a different song. They're all praying a different prayer and they're all speaking a different thing. Calm down and be quiet and listen. <laughs> listen, to what, listen to what the pastor teacher uh, is trying to teach. And he says, let your women uh, keep silence in the churches for it's not permitted for them to speak. They're commanded to be under obedience. It's also saith the law, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home <clears throat> for it's a shame for the women to speak in the church, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so the point being, uh, if they had some questions, 
Let them, let them ask their husband. Somebody said, well, I don't have a husband here. Right. You know what? Feel free to go up to the pastor anytime and ask him a question. Not during the middle of the preaching service, uh, but any other time, speak, talk to him. Uh, you know what, husbands and wives, wives, if you've got questions uh, uh, sometimes about things, uh, ask your husband at home. The husband might say, I don't know. You know what that gives you an opportunity to do? Invite the pastor to come over and speak to you, talk to you, uh, maybe give you some insight on that subject. Uh, uh, the women that don't have that oppor uh, opportunity, uh, uh, they can come and speak to the pastor anytime outside of the formal preaching service of things. Not to be speaking out during the middle of the service, which I think was what Paul was trying to address here. They were getting, they were getting a little out of control. <laughs> Paul was having to rein them in and saying too many too many tongues too many prayers too many speaking too many raising questions and so forth that was what the issue was so paul didn't suffer him to teach in fact part of the qualifications of the of the uh ministry if we turn over into another place here uh in uh, uh i think second timothy chapter uh chapter was that first timothy uh First Timothy chapter 3, right after that, right after these things, in First Timothy chapter 2, it says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. You know what? Uh, uh, and a bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife. Uh, and that would be under the Bible definitions of husband and wife, not under the modern definitions of husband and wife uh, that people might try to use. So he says, a uh, uh, bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober of good. You know also what that doesn't mean? Uh, that does not mean that a man has to be married to be a preacher. People have tried, I'm, I've heard so many weird things over the years. You know, well, a man's got to be married. No, he doesn't. Paul wasn't married. He was an apostle and a preacher, he says. Uh, so, you know, that's just bunk. Uh, but you know what? If he is married, he needs to be married to one wife. <laughs> that's what that means. And so uh, uh, as, as we turn over to the book of Titus now, and we'll get back to some of this about, so if the woman is not to be a pastor teacher, that's what the Bible says. Paul says don't suffer him to take on that role. She's not supposed to take on that role. Uh, so what is her role in teaching? Well, we've already seen one role working together with her husband, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, were very able to take this, uh, uh, take this man, Apollos, and teach him the Word of God more perfectly. So there's a role that she has. But the, but the chief role that's mentioned in Scriptures, uh, we turn over to Titus chapter 2, and here's kind of an overall, and I'll try to go through this fairly quickly, uh, to finish this up this morning, I really thought I was going to get through with the entire 16th chapter. But anyway, you know, that's, you know, of, of the Romans. But, you know, that's pretty much my pattern of not getting as far as I think anyway. But so here are the roles laid out in the church. We've been talking husbands and wives. We've been talking uh, teaching roles. We've been talking about the virtuous woman and so forth. All these. What's the roles in the churches? Paul says to Titus chapter 2. Speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That is not the only time he's used that phrase. That phrase he's used with Timothy on at least a couple of different occasions. Uh, and on, in fact, on one occasion he told uh, Timothy, Preach the word, Timothy. What's your job, Timothy? Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, and so forth. And he says, uh, But speak the things which become are becoming... That word becoming means uh, ex excellent. It also means adorn. 
Timothy, uh, speak those things which become sound doctrine. He didn't say you speak them and they become sound doctrine. It's becoming of sound doctrine. And he says that the aged, what are you supposed to teach, uh, Titus? Uh, you're supposed to teach that the aged men be sober. Uh, that means they're to be balanced, even, uh, not extreme, level-headed. Boy, we could just go on and on with that, right? Teaching, teaching the aged men to be level-headed, uh, to be, uh, uh, to be uh, moderate, and so forth in the things. Uh, uh, let the aged men be sober, be grave. Uh, that word, I think, talks about gravity of, of things, the, the graveness of, si of the situation. That the aged men be sober, be grave, be temperate. Temperate means to be self-controlled, self-disciplined. Uh, he says that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith. Not only are they to be self-controlled, but they're to be, you know, by the time aged men get to be a certain place, they ought to be sound in what they know. They ought to have been listening and studying and reading and listening to the preaching of God's Word. They ought to be sound in faith. In, they ought to be sound in faith and they ought to be sound in charity. Ha-ha! Uh, not only should they know, I, I was reading something uh, in the last day or two that was talking about, you know, uh, a lot of churches are very good at doing uh, works. Of things that need to be done in the community, doing a lot of good things for people. And they said, that's good. You know, all churches ought to be doing that. It says, some churches are really sound in the doctrine uh, uh, about the teaching of what God's Word is. Uh, well, that's good too. But you know the apostle, uh, not the apostle, in, uh, in the book of Revelation chapter 2, uh, Christ excoriated the church at Ephesus for being sound in the doctrine. But you know what they had forgotten? They'd forgotten their first love, Jesus Christ. And so they were very sound in the things that they were doing. So being sound in all the doctrine of things and forgetting your first love or forgetting the fact that you need to be doing good works in the community, that doesn't, that doesn't make you super-duper special above anybody else. And I'm afraid we've had some people in times, maybe times present and times past, say, well, as long as we're sound in the doctrine, that's all we need. I'll tell you what, uh, the, uh, Jesus Christ himself... Uh, laced down the church at Ephesus for being so sound in the doctrine, uh, but forgetting what their first love was. They were going through all the form, form and all the, uh, uh, the format of things, but they were forgetting why they were doing it. And we don't need to forget that we love our Lord. That's why we're here when we're serving in the community. Why are we doing it? Because we love the Lord. We want to represent Him here in our community. Okay. Speak the things which become uh, the aged men. Titus, teach the aged men <clears throat> to be sober, to be grave, to be tempered, to be sound in faith, sound in charity, sound in patience. That, gets, that rips all of us, right? <laughs> sound, in, sound in patience. The aged women likewise. You know what that means? The aged women are supposed to be doing the same thing the, the aged men are doing. Now, they, they're supposed to be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, charity, and in patience. Uh, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh Holiness uh, adorns holiness. Uh, uh, not false accusers. Uh, not given to much wine. Teachers of good things. Uh, that they may teach the young women. They are to be teaching the young women. They're to be setting an example for them. Okay. Uh, young women. Uh, going to give you a challenge. Uh, aged women. I'm going to give you a challenge. You're supposed to be teaching them. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be a set up classroom 
for you to teach somebody something. You can go and calmly teach some things, give little tips and little hints of things that need to be done. Why? Because you've lived life You've raised children. You've been married. Uh, you've lived through all those various tough parts of life. Uh, and sometimes the younger women just need some counsel from you. Do it. Why? Because God's Word says to do it. That's why. Younger women, I want to encourage you. Seek out the older women. Don't always just hang out with your buddies and say, Well, I, you know, I like being around my other young women. Great. <laughs> Rehoboam liked being around the young men too. You know what it caused? It caused the division of the empire of Israel in the days after Solomon. Uh, but he liked the counsel of the young men that he got. To, but boy, he took it and uh, he broke up uh, the, uh, the kingdom of Israel in doing that. Young women, seek out the uh, older women. Go and ask them. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're training your children, raising your children. Maybe you're thinking about well, I, how do you handle this? You know, maybe you're just overloaded. Uh, maybe you're feeling weighted down with all the burden of things that are going on. Go and ask a good older sister, how, how did you do this when you were going through? A, uh, you worked a job and you did that and you raised a family and you helped do How did you handle all that? That's what God has given the older, that older women, younger women blend for is so that they can learn from each other. You know, one of the one of the things that they used to teach us at work. You know, if you were you were new in a job, uh, you know, one of the things that we ought to, that they would encourage you to do: go seek out somebody that's been there a while. Go learn from and get a mentor, if you will. Find somebody that's been there, done that, doing it for years, and glean all you can from them. You know, we have forgot. I think we've sometimes we've forgotten that we split up churches into young folks, old folks, blah blah blah. You know, we have forgotten that that beautiful blend of ages is a great blessing to the church, to the home, to the family. Take advantage of it every way you can. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to be to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet and chaste, keepers at home. There's that phrase again that they're to be. Uh, guiding the home, uh, that they're to be uh, keepers, at, keepers at home, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. God's word is is belittled. You know what? When when the when the husbands and the wives and the younger men and the older men and the younger women and the old when when everything about us looks just like out there, like the world. You know what? People say, well, what's so special about going to church and believing in Christ and following God? It doesn't appear to be of any benefit in your life. Well, <clears throat> this gets back now to what Brother Derek was saying. You know what? If we're not taking it out of here and applying it to our day-to-day -day living, there is no benefit. We're not learning to overcome anger, and we're not learning to overcome a foul tongue, and we're not learning to overcome uh, how to have a good home and a good family and so forth, and we're not being an example to anybody <laughs> if we're not taking the Word of God and putting it into our walk and our daily living. 
So I want to encourage you. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, as they, as I said this morning, uh, uh, you, you go back. You go back to the time of the wedding at Cana of Galilee, and Jesus told them to go get. They'd run out of wine for the wedding feast, and Jesus told them to go fetch water. Uh, and, and of course, that was one of his first miracles. He turned the water into wine. And when he told them to go get the water, water, uh, and they were all wondering, what does he want the water for? This is a wedding feast. Uh, and uh, Mary. The mother of Jesus looked at him and says, Whatsoever he saith to you, do it. <laughs> well, that's what I'd say to you this morning. Whatsoever the word of God says to us, just do it. And be, you know, if it says to be submissive, be submissive. If it says to uh, be a servant, be a servant. If it says to be a teacher, be a teacher. If it says to be uh, 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 like Phoebe, be up and about and carrying on your business, go do your business. If it says to teach, and help guide others do that. God will bless us, and we'll be richer for it. May God bless you is our prayer. Hope we, hopefully we haven't held. I know we went a little longer today, but I wanted to at least get through that point, uh, so hopefully we can finish this up in the coming week. May God bless you is our prayer. Uh, if you're out there online, and you're listening to this, and uh, uh, contact us. Let us know uh, that you're out there, and uh, if you're interested in this church, then come and visit us. We'd love to have you here. At any time. May God bless you is our prayer.